And uh, we praise God that God has raised up some folks from our church who are out there uh, on the mission field, whether that's in North America or in other places across the water. Uh, but we want to continue to uh, this month, each, each Sunday, we, I think it'll be every Sunday this month, we'll have a different video from, from, from some of our folks and just as a reminder to continually pray uh, for them. And uh, that's what they need from us more than anything else. So continue to do that. Well, we're continuing in our series this morning, and we're looking at victory in King Jesus. Now, this week, you may have heard about the NCAA National Men's Basketball Tournament Championship game. I know. As the two teams that, you know, it, it narrowed down, if you're from, not familiar with March Madness, and I, and I do love it. I'm not a fanatic, but I do love it. And I, as it comes down to this end point, which ended on Monday night, Angie says, thank you, Jesus. Uh, <laughs> but nevertheless, as the two teams went into the game on Monday night, number one ranked UNC or Carolina was favored to win, hands down, against the number two ranked little small school, uh, Villanova. But at the end of the game, just seconds before the buzzer, they were tied at 74 to 74. Villanova got the ball. One of their players, Chris, Jen- Chris Jenkins, made a run and he made a shot. And the rest is history. And I have for you just two real quick little clips of, re- of reactions to that last shot. So I'd love for you to see. First off is uh, Charles Barkley, uh, who used to be a big basketball player. He's one of the commentators, and he's watching it at the game. But I want you to see his reaction, and then we'll look at another one real quick. (laughs) And then... Which that's interesting because I found it also interesting that he was looking at the monitor instead of watching the game behind him. I thought it was kind of interesting. But the other thing is uh, there was a security guard uh, who was you know, watching the area when it, the shot took place. Let's take a look at that. <laughs> yeah, there you go. So there you go. Two real quick reactions to the game. But you know, I wanted to show that to you because there are some things that take place you know, when there is an unexpected victory, when um, someone has snatched victory from the jaws of defeat. There is this unexpected uh, you know, thing that has taken place, the, a victory at the last moment possible when it really didn't seem possible. There is this amazement, this astonishment at what has taken place, and that's what you see here. But also, we're going to see today in our scripture uh, about Jairus' daughter that victory did not seem possible, but Jesus knew otherwise. And let me tell you, friends, Jesus snatched victory from the jaws of defeat. Amen? And so he, you know, we cannot always see how situations or circumstances will end in victory. But as believers in Jesus Christ, our victory is in 
King Jesus. And so we're going to look at Mark chapter 5, and we're going to look at verses 21 through 24, skip a section, then go down to verses 35 and read to the end of the chapter. And so we'll look at this this morning. So if you, if, uh, you would, in honor and reverence to the Word of God, if you're able this morning, I'd love for you to stand uh, as I read for the, you this passage of Scripture. We read from the Word of God, starting verse 21, Mark 5. Now, when Jesus had crossed over again by boat to the other side, a great multitude gathered to him, and he was by the sea. And behold, one of the rulers of the synagogue came, Jairus by name. And when he saw him, he fell at his feet and begged him earnestly, saying, My little daughter lies at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her that she may be healed, and she will live. So Jesus went with him, and a great multitude followed him and thronged him. Now, the next section here, we're going to skip through, but basically what takes place is Jesus is with Jairus, they're headed to the daughter, and a woman who has had this hemorrhage for a long period of time works her way through the crowds just so that she can touch the hem of the garment of Jesus to find healing. She finds the healing as she gets up there, she touches the hem, and then Jesus stops, he has a conversation with her. And then in verse 35, we pick up. While he was still speaking, some came from the ruler of the synagogue's house who said, your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? And as soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he said to the ruler of the synagogue, Do not be afraid, only believe. And he permitted no one to follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. And then he came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue, and he saw a tumult and those who wept and wailed loudly. And when he came in, he said to them, Why make this commotion and weep? The child is not dead, but sleeping. And they ridiculed him, but when he had put, him, put them all outside, he took the father and the mother of the child and those who were with him and entered where the child was lying. And then he took the child by the hand and said to her, Talitha Kumai, which is translated, little girl, I say to you, arise. And immediately the girl arose and walked, for she was 12 years of age, and they were overcome with great amazement. But he commanded them strictly that no one should know it, and they said, and, that they, and said that something should be given her to eat. Let's pray together. Father, we are grateful for the reading of the word of God. And Lord, for the reminder this morning, while we enjoy looking at things on this earth and how we receive enjoyment and victories that we see here, we know, Lord, that it is nothing in comparison to the victory that is ours in you, Lord Jesus. So, Lord, we pray that you would just speak to us this morning to remind us again of the victory that is ours in you. And we pray, Lord, that you would use the word of God and speak to us and speak through me as this morning as you just have your way in every heart and every life. We pray again, Lord, if there are those who don't know Jesus, that this would be the hour of salvation. If people would come to know Jesus as Lord and Savior, but also, Father, for us, we pray there would be a time of refreshing, renewal. And Lord, to walk away just knowing that you have been in our midst and that you have done a great thing. So, Lord, we praise you for that. And we believe in what you're going to do. And so, Lord, we, we pray now that the words of my mouth, meditation of my heart would be acceptable in your sight. Oh, Lord, my rock and my redeemer. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Well, you see the outline in your bulletin this morning, and I want you to see, first off, desperation. Desperation. And we have to ask the question, as we're thinking about victory in King Jesus, is, is there victory in desperation? Well, we're going to answer that. But in verses 21 through 24 of this chapter, Mark 5, we really do see a picture of desperation. We see a picture of a desperate father. And if you could just put yourself 
in the position of being Jairus on, in that day, we see a picture and you can begin to feel what he was feeling as he was desperate for Jesus. And the, the, the scripture is teaching us here and telling us here that Jesus is returning now to the other side. Remember last week, he, he left the place where the demon-possessed man, had, had the demons had gone out of him, went into the pigs, and the, the owners of the pigs had said to Jesus, we need you to go. And so Jesus has left, and now he's coming back across the way. And as he comes back across, Jairus is waiting for Jesus to return, or after Jesus gets there, he hears that Jesus has returned. And so this this man, Jairus, the Bible tells us, is one of the rulers of the synagogue. He's a ruler of the synagogue. Now, he's not a worship leader, but rather he is one who has oversight over the synagogue. He would supervise the worship service. He would care for the scrolls. That would be part of his responsibility. He would keep the congregation faithful to the law, and he would designate who the scripture readers would be, the prayer persons would be, the teachers would be, you know, in the synagogue. But evidently, Jairus knew about Jesus, and he knew what Jesus had done, and he believed in Jesus's ability, and now this man, this ruler of the synagogue, is desperate. His daughter is sick. His daughter is ill. She is quickly fading away. She is Jairus's 12-year-old daughter. It's his only daughter, and she will die unless Jesus comes. So here we have a ruler of the synagogue who is desperate for his daughter to be saved, to be healed of this illness, And he believes that Jesus can do something. And so he comes then to Jesus and he falls down before Jesus and he begs him earnestly saying, my little daughter is at the point of death, Jesus, come and just lay your hands on her that that she may be healed and that she may live. And the Bible tells us that Jesus went with him. It's a desperate situation. Friends, I don't know why folks, I don't know why people come to church on Sunday morning except to come to know the Lord more about him. But I know that when people do come, that sometimes as people come, they come with desperate situations in their hearts, in their lives, in their homes. Many times we'll come feeling this sense of desperation in our hearts and our lives, but we'll put on a smile and we'll go through the motions. But friends, maybe you're here today. And you have a desperate situation in your life. Maybe it doesn't look like this one with Jairus' daughter, but maybe uh, you also have a desperate situation. Maybe we're at the end of our rope. Maybe we've done all that we know to do. Maybe we can't do anything else and it's really out of our hands. And whatever the situation may be, we are desperate. And so how then do we have victory? As believers in Jesus Christ, how do we have victory in a desperate situation? Well, the question is answered by we do what Jairus did. We come to Jesus in faith. We come to Jesus believing in him. We come to Jesus believing in his ability. We come to Jesus in humble faith, in faith that has no limits We come to Jesus in our desperation, completely dependent upon Jesus 
And he, the Bible says, that he will be with you. Just as Jesus, it tells us here, he went with Jairus. Friends, I'm here to tell you today that here is the victory in the midst of a desperate situation. The first part of the victory is that he is going to be with you. Amen? Whatever you're facing in your life, when you come to Jesus, when you come to him saying, Jesus, I can't do anything else. I I don't know what else to do. This is desperate, Lord. Just rest assured in this fact that you are not alone. Amen? You are not alone. Jairus, now listen, Jairus' burden was heavy as he was coming to Jesus, but it was lifted because now Jesus was with him. How, how that must have felt as a father who he knows that his daughter is going to die and he needs Jesus just to come with him. And so as Jesus comes with him in his desperation, now Jesus is with him and how that must have lifted his burden. You see, friends, in our desperate moments, in our desperate times, when we call out to Jesus, we can have victory in knowing that we are not alone, that we are not by ourselves. Listen to a couple of passages of Scripture. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7 tells us, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. Cast all your care on the Lord because he cares for you. And then another passage of scripture in the Old Testament that is one of my favorites is Isaiah 41 verse 10. Where we hear from the Lord, fear not for I am with you. Be not dismayed for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. And I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. As a believer, friend, what, that is such a great victory for us in knowing that whatever we're going through in our lives, whatever the desperate situation may be that we find ourselves in, we know that we are not by ourselves as believers because the Lord God Almighty, the Lord God Almighty is with us as we walk through this valley. Amen? That is a victory. But understand this, that that victory begins first off when we first come to him in humble faith, trusting him to save us. That's the initially what must take place. We must come to him in our own desperation, crying out before we come to know Christ as Savior. Before we were believers, we had to come to him in our desperation and we had to cry out to him, Lord, save me. And maybe there's someone here today who's never given their heart to Jesus. And this is coming to him in humble faith, saying to the Lord, Lord, I am hopelessly lost without you. I am helpless without you. I am already dead in my transgressions and in my sins, and I cannot make myself alive. Only you can save me, Jesus. Only you can help me, Jesus. Only you can rescue me, Jesus. Only you can give me life, Jesus. And listen, friends, and when we come to Jesus in humble faith in our desperate situation, depending on him, he is not only with us, but he is also in us and saves us, giving us life. Is there victory in desperation? In the desperate times of life when 
We're at the end of our rope. Is there victory? You bet there's victory in Jesus Christ because as we come to him, depending on him as believers, we are not alone, but Jesus is with us. Amen? Come on now, amen? And that is victorious right there. Is there victory in desperation? Yes. Is there victory also secondly? The second word is devastation. Devastation. Jesus, as we see in the story here, Jesus leaves with Jairus and the crowds are pressing around. Jesus and Jairus are trying to move toward Jairus' home. But they're being thronged by people, which makes it difficult to move along quickly. I don't know if you've ever been in a crowded area, and you know you need to get to, to, from point A to point B, but there's all these people, and you need to get there kind of quick, but you, you can, you're limited to how quickly you can move to that point because of all the people who are pressing in around you. Maybe it's at a, a football stadium or somewhere like that or, or in a mall when it's really busy at Christmas time, wherever it may be. You know what we're talking about here, and that's what's happening here. And so if you are Jairus, if you are Jairus, it has to be difficult at this moment as you need Jesus to be with you as you go to where your daughter is at the verge of death, but yet you have all of these people who are surrounding you and pressing in on you and him and throngs, the throngs of people are all there and you just need to get there as quick as possible, but you can barely move because of all of these people. So Jairus, it has to be a very difficult and heart-wrenching moment knowing that he needs to get to where his daughter is and he needs to get there quickly, but the crowds are just simply slowing him down. And then in the midst of that, in the midst of that trying to get over to where his home is, to where his daughter is, they have this situation, this delay that takes place as well, which we didn't read, but I gave you just a little bit of verses 25 through 34. You have this delay as there is a woman who had a hemorrhage of blood who, who just wants to make her way over to where Jesus is and murks her way through the crowd and gets to the place where Jesus is so that she can just touch the hem of his garment as she is looking for healing. And as she is able to get a hold to his garment, then she, is, she finds that healing comes immediately. She recognizes that she is healed. And also in that moment, Jesus recognizes that power has gone from him. And so what Jesus does is that he stops and he turns around and he wants to know who is it who touched him. Well, the disciples don't like that because everybody's touching him. Everybody's pressing in. But he knows that something's happened. And so he stops and he calls the woman out and she steps forward and they have a conversation. And he wants to help her spiritually as well as acknowledge her physical healing. But now, so this conversation is taking place where Jesus has stopped. And Jairus is already pressed for time because he has got to get to his daughter. Jesus, let's go. Jesus, let's go. Come on, Jesus, let's go. My daughter's over here. Did you feel that in Jairus' heart and his voice and, and what, what he must be feeling at this moment? And then verse 35. While Jesus was speaking, some came from the ruler of the synagogue's house who said, your daughter's dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? Jairus is devastated. The news he dreaded has come. His hope of trying to get Jesus there in time, it just did not happen. 
Can you imagine what Jairus was thinking in the midst of his grief? Jesus, you said you would be with me. Jesus, as a ruler of the synagogue, I risked my job. I risked my reputation. I risked my everything just to be with you. I I thought you would be with me, Jesus. My daughter is dead. If only you had been sooner, Jesus. If If you hadn't stopped for that woman and she didn't even ask for help, I asked for help. Jesus, I trusted you. And because of the delay now, my daughter is gone. Can you sense that he would be devastated? So how then can there be victory in the midst of such devastation when we think that even in our grief that Jesus does not care and when we just do not understand? Where is the victory found It's found, friends, in what Jesus said to Jairus in verse 36. You see, as Jesus is standing there, he overhears the conversation that Jairus' daughter is dead. And as soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he said to the ruler of the synagogue, Do not be afraid. Only believe. Do not be afraid. Only believe. What is Jesus saying? He's saying, don't be afraid. That's courage. Only believe. That literally means keep on believing. In other words, Jesus is saying that faith that you had back there, you keep on believing. Can there be victory, friends, in the midst of such devastating news here? I'm here to tell you that yes, there can. Because Jesus hears what Jairus is told, but Jesus is able to look past the present situation and look beyond to what is. And he says to Jairus, do not be afraid. Trust me, keep on believing. Jesus is saying to him, hold on to me, to believe in me, to believe in my ability, to trust in me, to trust me. Don't give in to despair. Jesus is ultimately saying to Jairus, I am still in control and I've got this. That's what he's saying. So listen, friends, what may look like devastating news here in the life of Jairus But also maybe it's in your life where you have received some devastating news. Whatever that news may be. In the midst of that devastation, Jesus says to us as his children, trust me. Trust me. Rest in me. Believe in me. Because there is, now listen, there is a victory that is coming that is a greater Victory. Understand something. While Jairus is wondering here, we're certain, he has to be wondering, why did you delay Jesus? Just like Mary and Martha, when Lazarus was dead, they had to be wondering why Jesus delayed. Understand, 
that Jesus's delay was not because he doesn't love you. His delay is because he does love you. We just need to trust him. In difficult times, friends, with devastating news, we need to trust Jesus and rest in him, keeping our eyes on him, believing him in spite of the circumstances that are surrounding us. We may not always understand what God is doing, but friends, we must trust Jesus and keep following him regardless. There are a couple, four little principles that I have for you. It's not on your outline, but you might want to just jot these down. That when we're going through this difficult, difficulties in our lives, when we are dealing with the devastating news, and, and how, do we, how do we keep uh, trusting in the Lord? What, what do we need to focus on? What must we think in the midst of this? And here's four real quick things. One, trust his timing. And trusting in Jesus... And resting in Jesus, even in the midst of of devastating news, trust the timing of God. Our God, friends, is never late. He is never early. He is always on time. Always. And while we may not be able to understand the timing of what God is doing, here's a little hint for you. He is God. And we're not. Amen? And he looks beyond what we can see and sees the big picture. And our God is a merciful God. He is a compassionate and gracious God who has a plan that is perfect. So we need to trust his timing. Secondly, trust his ability. Trust his ability. This God, this Jesus who is able to speak to the storms and the waves, and they were able to calm down and cease. This Jesus, who is able to, to cause the demon-possessed man to be released out of his bondage and shackles and, and the demons flee and go into the swine. This man who is able to, to heal the lepers. This man who is able to do all these things. This God, just Jesus, friends, I'm here to tell you, is the very same God we serve today. He is still able to do great and mighty things which we do not know he is able he is God and we must trust his ability to do beyond what we could even think or even imagine so trust his timing and trust his ability but then thirdly also in the midst of this devastation hold on tight and cling to Jesus If you've had children in your life, children or grandchildren, when there's something going on and those grandbabies or children are close to you, what do they do? They come to you like Velcro. (laughs) Right? Of course, it tickles us right to death, doesn't it? They hang on with all they've got. And friends, as God's people, as his children, when we're going through stuff like this, You make sure you are hanging on to Jesus. Cling to him with all of your God. You may not be able to see him in the midst. You may not be able to hear his voice. But I tell you, according to the victory we talked about a minute ago, Jesus is with us. We're not alone. Cling to him. 
hold on to him through the reading of his word, spending time with him in prayer. He is there. He is there. Cling to Jesus. And then fourthly, the fourth thing is stay the course and keep the faith. Don't take your eyes off the Lord. Be courageous in the midst of whatever devastation you're facing. And in the midst of that, even in that, continue to maintain your trust in Jesus, pointing people to him. Pastor Joe, Pastor Joe gave me a little, he was, we were talking about something this week and he told me this story and I said, brother, I'm going to use that on Sunday morning. That is a great story. He was telling me this story about Tony McCall, who was an associate pastor at First Southern Baptist Church in Evansville, Indiana. And Tony's, when he was in his early 40s, as his son is close to graduating high school, high school Tony is told that he's going to be battling ALS disease. The next 18 months, he presses on in his ministry, his normal life, until he just couldn't do so any longer, and he was confined to a wheelchair. When he no longer was able to serve in the local church, this, this godly man decided to resign and spend his last four to six months of his life traveling around to different family and friends who knew that he knew were not believers. And so just a few weeks before passing away, Tony took a trip out to Colorado where he was able to lead a lifelong friend to Jesus Christ. Tony, in the midst of devastating news, kept his eyes on Jesus and he trusted in him. He said, well, pastor, he was, he was defeated. He was devastated and he didn't have a victory because he died. Oh, no, friend, let me tell you. This brother experienced an even greater victory as he was welcomed home into heaven. Is there victory in devastation? Yes, by trusting Jesus. Is there victory when we do not understand? Yes, by trusting Jesus. Well, pastor, I I believe in Jesus, but I struggle. It's just so hard. Friends, I understand that. But our faith is in trusting Jesus. And we must keep on trusting Jesus. We must keep on believing and not be afraid. That's what he tells us. Don't be afraid. Only believe. Keep on believing. Is there victory and devastation? Is it difficult? Maybe hard to understand? Yes, but don't be afraid. Keep on believing. There is victory in King Jesus. Is there victory and desperation? Yes. We come to him in humble faith, depending on him, and he will be with us. We're not alone. Is there victory and devastation? Yes. Hold on to him. Don't be afraid. Keep on trusting because there's a greater victory ahead in and through Jesus. And then thirdly, there is victory in declaration. Declaration. Look at verses 37 through 39. And he, Jesus, permitted no one to follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. And then he came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue, that's Jairus' house, and saw a tumult and those who wept and wailed loudly. And when he came in, he said to them, why make this commotion and weep? This child is not dead, but sleeping. So Jesus, what happens here is that Jesus takes uh, Peter, James, and John, and they come to the house where there is weeping and wailing, the Bible says. And what is happening here in that day in their culture, if there was not weeping at the death of someone, it was considered to be disgraceful. 
And so what would happen is they had professional mourners who they would engage to come to their home and who had been through this many times, but they would, they would begin to weep and wail, which would, which would encourage other weeping and wailing among people. It's a little weird to us. We don't recognize that. But nevertheless, in that culture, that's what they did. It was just disgraceful if they didn't have this going on. And so these people are there and there's much weeping and there's much wailing. And Jesus comes up to all of this commotion that's taking place. And he says, why make this commotion and weep? This child is not dead, but sleeping. Now, is he saying that she's really not dead, but she's just asleep? No, that's not what he's saying. He knew that she was dead, but he likened it to sleep. The professional weepers who have been around this before, they would have known the difference between a child who was a sleeper in a coma and one who was dead. And they already are acknowledging through their weeping and wailing that this child really is dead. But in this, even in him saying she's not dead but sleeping, Jesus knows something that they are missing. And here it is. Death is not the end. When we die, friends... It ain't over. Amen? Jesus knows this about this child that she still lives. Now, death is like sleep in that when our body is dead, it looks like we are asleep. But we're not asleep. When we are dead, we are very much alive. At death... We continue to live as believers. We continue to live in a place called heaven. Amen. Amen. But as non-believers, when non-believers die, they too are very much alive, but not in a place called heaven, but in a place called Hades or hell. For the believer, listen, for the believer as a culture and generally for us today as a culture, When we think about death, we think about defeat. We think that it's over. But friends, listen, for the believer, death is not defeat. Death, listen, death is not defeat. Death has been defeated. 1 Corinthians 15, 54, and 57 tell us these these words. Paul writes to the church at Corinth. He says, so in this corruptible has put on incorruption, and this mortal has put on immortality, then should be brought to pass the saying that is written that death is swallowed up in victory. And in 1 Corinthians 15, 57, it says, but thanks be to God who gives us the what? The victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. You see, friends, for believers, death is swallowed up in victory. Victory has been snatched from the jaws of defeat. We are not defeated at death as believers, but rather, friends, we are victorious. In Philippians 1.21, it says, For to me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 5.8, We are confident, yes, well, pre- well pleased, rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. You see, friends, we can have this victory in knowing that when we die, death is not the defeat of us. Death is just our entranceway where we experience real victory, where we're in the presence of the Lord. 
Well, pastor, that sounds nice and that's good for me to hear, but how can I be sure of that? Well, let's look at the other declaration. He says, the child's not dead but sleeping, but let's look down in verse 41. The chi- the, Jesus took the child by the hand and he said to her, Talitha Kumai, which is translated, little girl, I say to you, arise. What he's saying there, that word little girl is little lamb, precious child. And he is talking to her as if he is a parent, sweetly telling a child that it's time to get up. Now, I'm sure all of you, when you remember how you got your children up in the morning, that you would always say, oh, sweet, precious child, it is time to get up. (laughs) I mean, that's what we do at the Anthony house. I'm sure you all do that too, right? Well, I have to be honest, that's not exactly how we do it. We may start out that way. We don't end up that way, amen? And then after you, when you tell a child it's time to get up, when, if a child is sleeping and what the scripture is teaching us, and, and he took her by the hand and she stood right up and got up. So if she was asleep and he is telling her to, to rise and get up, then, you know, that's a picture. Even in our children today, when they are asleep, you don't see that happen. They rub their eyes. They stretch. I don't want to get up. Right? That's not happening here at all. What is happening here is that Jesus says, little girl, I say to you, arise. The emphasis here is on the word I. Jesus can take this little girl by the hand and say to her, I say to you, arise, because he has the authority to call her to get up. Well, how does he have the authority to tell her to arise? How does he have the authority to say, I say to you, arise. How does he have the authority to get her to rise up from the dead? Well, it's because of another declaration in another place back in the story of Lazarus. Lazarus, we mentioned a few minutes ago. Jesus said in John 11, verse 25 and 26, in that story, he said, I am the resurrection and the life. And he who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall what? Never die. Do you believe it? Well, that's, that's all right, Pastor. You know, it's, it's good that he could say to the girl, I say to you, arise. It's good that he could say to Mary and Martha when Lazarus did, uh, to, he's the resurrection life. But what gives him the authority even to say that? He rose. Amen? Amen. He rose from the dead. Jesus is resurrected. And since he is resurrected, he is the resurrection and life, and he has the power over death. He has destroyed death. There is victory now in the midst of death for us as believers. He is the resurrection and the life, friends. So here's the deal. No matter what circumstances we face, no matter what trials we endure, no matter the devastating news that we hear, no matter, how, no matter how terrible the times, no matter how difficult the day, no matter how awful the occasion, no matter how perilous the persecution, one day as believers, Jesus will reach down to each of us as his children and he will say to us, little child, I say to you, arise. 
And just as we closed our eyes in death, friends, we will open them in glory. And we will get up and we will step through the gates of pearl and we will walk the street of gold and we will bow in the presence of the lamb that was slain for our salvation and we will worship him and we will serve him and we will be with him forever and ever and ever. And friends, let me tell you, that is victory. That's victory, and it will be better than any three-point shot at an NCAA double championship basketball tournament. Amen? I'm here to tell you, that is victory. And our victory is ours when we know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of our lives. The question for you today is, do you know this Jesus? Do you know him as Lord and Savior? Victory is only in him. No matter what you're facing in life, he is the victory. It takes a simple step of faith, one step where we acknowledge we're sinners in need of a Savior for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We turn from our sin, we turn to Jesus. That's repentance. We embrace or we believe with all of our heart that Jesus is God's son who died on the cross for us, who rose again bodily from the grave, and we profess him as the Lord and Savior of our lives. It's a step of faith. It's a simple step. He is calling us to come to him. We simply must believe and trust him. Have you ever done that? Trusting in who he is and what he's done. It's humble faith trusting Jesus. If you've never done that, I invite you in just a few moments as we have our invitation to come and let me pray with you. Speak to someone today before you leave about inviting Jesus to be the Lord of your life. It'll be the best decision you've ever made because there's victory in Jesus. But those of us who are believers, I hope that God has spoken to your heart this morning to remind you afresh and anew what it is to be a child of God. Because friends, listen, I know that there are days when it's difficult. I know that there are days when it's desperate. And I know that there are times in our lives when it's devastating. But as a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, we are not alone. Almighty God is with us, and he tells us not to be afraid, but to keep on believing Hold on to him, rest in him, and know that no matter what happens in this life, there is a greater victory that is coming one day. Amen? Let us then live in that victory and not live like we're defeated because, praise God, we're not. We're victorious in Jesus. Let's pray together. Father, we pray that you'd have your way in our hearts and lives. Lord, that we would remember afresh and anew this morning the victory that is ours in Jesus Christ. And those of us who are your children, Lord, may we be refreshed in our spirits. And Lord, may you renew our passion for you and help us to live our lives, Lord, in the victory that is in, is Jesus, is in Jesus Christ because of what you have done for us. Not what we have deserved, but what you have still in your gracious love given to us, your victory. And so, Lord, we pray that 
you would help us to live in that victory daily. That we point people to you in the midst of whatever we're facing. We'll trust in your timing, your ability. We'll hold on to you and cling to you. But Lord, that you would have your way in us to be the people of God that you desire for us to be all the time. And Lord, we thank you for what you're doing. And so Lord, I pray also that those, there are those here today who don't know you, that this would be the time of salvation. That in their desperation, knowing that they can't do anything to save themselves, are just like the rest of us. We could do nothing to save us, but we have, in humble faith, called out to you, Lord Jesus. Lord, save me. And you have been faithful to save us by your grace. And so, Lord, now we pray that in this time of invitation, all across this place, that you just speak to our hearts to make the decisions that you desire for us to make, decisions of commitment, of call, whatever it is you desire of us, to yield to you, to surrender something over to you, to lay it at your feet. Lord, may you have your way in our hearts and lives, and we'll praise you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to stand.